how do you measure whether your, your day was good or bad? What is, uh, sometimes I was even thinking about that last night before I thought about the sermon. Um, it's like, how do I know if this was a good day? Alina was gone all day. I didn't get to do the things I wanted to do. Was this a good day or a bad day? Was this a waste of a day? How do you measure those things? As well, when you hear the word rule or rules, what does that make you think of? I want to take just a few seconds and talk to someone next to you. When you hear the word rules, what does that make you think of? And break. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what do you think of? Nuns, parents, okay, parents, boundary setting, boundary setting, discipline, rebellion, rebellion, food, rebellion, teachers, equitable, yeah, that's right, that's sure, equitable rules, that's hopeful. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of things that come up, and um, like I said, John Wesley um, had a had a group of sayings they called the general rules. And oftentimes when I explain that to people who didn't grow up Methodist, or even people who grew up Methodist, and they're just hearing it for the first time, they're like, gosh, that's pretty harsh. Uh, like, what are, these, what are these rules about? The three world rules that, that John Wesley said were, the first, do no harm. The second, do all the good you can. And the third, follow the ordinances of God, which is another ordinance is mostly like a firing round rather than an order, but um, the ordinances of God are worshiping together. The ordinances of God are praying together, are, are, are being, are fasting, are loving our neighbors. So, do no harm, do all the good you can, and follow the ordinances of God. That's three, not four. Um, three. Uh, so, but I, have, I have summarized these down into love, serve, and grow. And one of the reasons of putting this, and we'll talk about this a little more, is each of these can be a question for our day. Am I loving? Am I loving this day? Am I serving? And am I growing? A way to keep track of where we are and where we could be. But it, it doesn't come from nowhere. You see, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of Christians in this world. There's a lot of Christian denominations around the world. And you can't just go into a random church um, probably like not even on Manchac and expe- know what to expect you're going to see there, know what they are going to believe. Sometimes it's easy to think about um, comparing Christians on a horizontal plane of this idea of like, now these are some characteristics here, these are similar characteristics here. But we're never in this neutral space to compare it. There's no, no one who can occupy that neutral space. And so the challenge of measuring Taking your nice little ruler and measuring is tricky. Some things are easy to measure, like your hand. You can measure your hand right now. My hand is 11 centimeters long. Like, you can measure it. It's really easy to do. Um, How your day was is trickier to measure. There's no, like, ruler of my soul, Uh, which is is true, which is a challenge of being human. It's one of the things we have, have to face. When Wesley says, do no harm, 
He uses that as a beginning point. Wesley knew about uh, the Hippocratic Oath, the doctors say, which to be a doctor, you have to pledge, make this promise to do no harm. There's uh, Wesley and, and ancient medicine go hand in hand, which are you ready for a nice little 30 minute lecture on ancient medicine? That's what you got today. Okay, so Galen, no really, but Galen's important. So I'm just, it'll be like two minute lecture. It's okay. Um, Galen was the most famous uh, doctor in ancient Greece. Uh, and he believed that medicine was, was something that only special people could do. He was very aristocratic about it. You had to be of the right blood to be a doctor. The Methodius thought anybody could be a doctor. All you had to do was teach them how to do it. And so in Oxford in the 1730s, when John Wesley and his brother Charles and a few friends were trying, were started this holy club and were trying to live by um, what they thought God wanted them to be, the, the kind of boy, uh, schoolboy insult was, look at those Methodists over there. And it was hearkening back to ancient medical disputes. Um, not a people talk about, but that's, but that's the kind of thing, because Wesley thought anybody could be holy. You, you could be the son of a coal miner, and you could be holy. You could be, God forbid, the daughter of a coal miner, and you could be holy in 18th century England. The, all you had to do was receive God's love. This radically shifted how many people at that time thought about God and thought about where they fit in the world. You see, these three general rules, I think, also harken back to three central questions of existence. Do I belong? You don't need to be a, question, a Christian to have that question. Do I belong? Do I belong here in this place this morning? Do I belong in this town? Do I belong in this family? Do I belong in this job? Do I belong? The second one, am I worthy? Am I worthy of being loved? Am I worthy of what I have achieved? Am I worthy of more? And the third, what should I do now? What should I do if I belong and I am loved? What should I do if I belong and I am worthy? But we have to begin at the beginning. Do I belong? And that's what's going on with these famous parables from Luke 15. In, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus says th- three parables of the kingdom of God. The first is the lost sheep, the second is the lost coin, and the third is the prodigal son. It starts off one of 99, and then it's one of 10, and then it's one of two. And in each case, God seeks out the one who is lost. The first Which of you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? We don't often talk about the beginning of this parable. Um, Jesus doesn't like start point blank. There was a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. He says, which one of you having a hundred sheep doesn't go? I've never kept a hundred sheep before. I've never kept a hundred of anything before. I don't know if I'm like that. But that's how Jesus assumes this positive nature of the people around him. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one, goes out and finds it, seeks it, and then rejoices when he finds it and brings it home? Celebrate. This is the question of belonging. Do I belong? Am I a lost sheep? Am I stuck in the brambles of life right now? 
Because I know, my brothers and sisters, many of us do feel stuck in some brambles. And we don't know where our shepherd is. In this world, so often it can feel stuck in the brambles that things happen that should not happen. The brokenness of this world bubbles up so often. It can feel hard to answer that question, do I belong here? Do I belong here? It's faith for a select few and everyone else is left in the brambles. Sometimes it can feel like that. Sometimes it can feel when we have people in our lives who are so faithful and so holy and we look at them and we think, gosh, I wish I could have that faith. Gosh, they understand, they believe. I don't know if I could believe as they do. But what, what Jesus points out, what Jesus points out in this parable, in both of them, is that God seeks out those who are lost and rejoices in discovering them. That, that joy and celebration emerge after rediscovery, after finding yourself again, after realizing that you are loved. The heart of this passage from Luke 15 is that God seeks us all. God seeks us all. God seeks each of you. There is no briar patch where you are stuck, where God will not seek you. As well, we see in this passage from Deuteronomy, when we find the love of God, the love that comes to us as the shepherd who rescues us from the brambles, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. This is how Jesus responds to a, a Pharisee later in the, in the passage who says, what is the greatest commandment? He re- quotes this from Deuteronomy 6. But Deuteronomy 6 goes on. It says, keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. When you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you arise, the words of God's love are not just for me. The words of God's love are not just for you. The words of God's love are to be repeated daily and to be shared daily. It's not just to get this ruler, this little tchotchke from church and this ticket at the back of your table and forget about it. Now you can do that to this. It is kind of a little tchotchke, but um, don't do that to God's love for you. Find a way to remember that you are loved. That's what the disciplines of the church are. That's what the ordinances of God are. That's what a daily prayer practice is, is to remind yourself that you are loved. That's what, that's what Moses says to do. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you are on vacation, to still remember that you are loved. And one of the ways we remember that we are loved is by doing no harm to our neighbor, or to our creation. And we can't avoid it all the time. This world is full of so many interconnected networks and consequences of our actions. The point of thinking about do no harm is not to to, um, suffocate yourself with indecisiveness because every single action you have may cause harm in some way, but to be mindful that you are not the center of the world and that our actions do have consequences. 
and to care about that, to care about the people in your life who may not, you may not know, to care about the people around you, to care about the world, not, again, in a way to feel guilty, but out of the freedom that God has sought you out. God has sought you out. And if you feel in the brambles this day, God is seeking you out as we speak. Seeking you out to take you out of those thorns. This is God's rule for us. This is God's possibility for us. This is the way we can measure it. And one of the amazing things about this is about a ruler. It is really hard to uh, measure someone with just one 12-inch ruler. Like, it doesn't get very far. And then if we try to get six people or seven people together holding it, that's really tricky. Getting people to hold a ruler on top of a ruler, I think it's easier for kids than for adults. Because one like, I don't want to be on the bottom, I don't want to be on top, there's all sorts of things going on. Um, someone falls over, someone leans too far, um, which so often kind of feels like church sometimes. It seems like we're stacking rulers on top of each other, trying to fit into what we think we should be. Sometimes it gets messy, sometimes things fall through the cracks. But God still seeks us out. But we as a church need to remember to start with the rule, am I loving? To start when we make decisions about the property and about stewardship, about the future of the church, about the future of the Methodist church, we start from the beginning, the concrete reality that we are sought out by the God of all creation. That each of you is a child of God, that each one around our community is a child of God. Am I loving? Am I harming the people in my life? And if I am, how can I change? How can I let go of the pride which so often deceives, deceives me into thinking I don't need to change, I don't need to do anything different. Whatever I did is good enough. When Jesus points out whatever pride you have leads you to the brambles. It's the sheep that's walking along that thinks it knows the path, that think it doesn't need to ask for instructions or directions. And then it ends up over the hill, there's a briar. And one option for those of us stuck in a briar is to think, huh, this is the nice briar. That, that shepherd was rude to me. I don't need to go back to that shepherd. I'm going to have my own life right here in the briar. I don't need to move around very much. And so you, you, you start to, to constrain your life to constrain your life in these false ideas of what freedom is. And so you, just because you can move your arm around or move your leg around, that does not make you free. That God offers a total freedom to desire what is good, to be who you were created to be. The freedom of God is not freedom to choose whichever football game you want to watch on Sunday afternoon. It is the freedom to love without limit. What God shows us, what, what Wesley shows us with the general rules is we don't need to be limited in how we love our neighbor. But we have to start somewhere. And the place we start is the briar patch where we are freed. That we are each, in our own ways, a lost sheep. Each of us is a lost sheep in some way or another. One point in our life, we were stuck. And we looked around and we saw everyone else and they looked like they were fine and we weren't. But at that moment, God came down. 
and pulled us free. And we need to remember that moment. So I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to take this tchotchke. We'll keep talking about it the next two weeks. Use it as a question. Am I loving? And if the answer is yes, fantastic. Give thanks to God. If the answer is no, that is all right. God's mercy is for you. When you feel like you have not lived up to what God has offered to you, that is when grace enters into your life. When you feel that you've lived up to everything God has offered to you, you're probably in your own briar patch and you don't even know it. <laughs> it is an opportunity to be even freer. Not by, by having this rule over your head who's, or this person hitting you on the back and saying you're not good enough, but by being pulled from a briar patch, being led to safety, being led to still waters, and being told that you are loved. My brothers and sisters, you are loved. There is more to life than this. You are freed. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.